Hi, my name is Steve Taylor. Welcome to the ShareEd podcast, created by Robinhood Multi-Academy Trust. Hi everyone, and thanks for taking the time to listen to the podcast today. It's been recorded during lockdown three at a time when the nation is in complete shutdown as a result of coronavirus. Now we know that many of you are going to be dealing with stress and anxiety at this really difficult time. You know, no matter who you are, our view is that you're going to be feeling anxious and you're going to be feeling uncertain about what the next few months lie ahead. And so we thought about how we can help people and came up with the conclusion, why don't we interview a psychologist and particularly a counselling psychologist. So we're really lucky to have Dr. Charlotte Flothman with us today. Charlotte is a counselling psychologist specialising in trauma, so can give us some great tips. She was previously a teacher and she works as a lecturer for the University of Bristol. I think you're going to get a lot out of the session today and I hope that some of the tips that we give you, you can use to help you get through this tough period. So Charlotte, thanks very much for taking the time to come and speak to us on the podcast today. At what is undoubtedly the hardest time a generation of us have um, have experienced, not only in our professional lives, but our personal lives. And when we were looking at who we we're going to invite on to do a podcast, and we were looking at change and anxiety and how you deal with those pressures, we thought it'd be great to have someone who could talk about those with a real knowledge and passion. And your name was recommended, so welcome. Thanks so much for having me on, Steve. That's great. So um, when we're looking at this this period of coronavirus, uh, you know, we're into lockdown three as we're recording this. We've all been and lived through lockdown one, and that was stressful. <laughs> Some of us haven't seen family for long periods of time. We've got people living on their own. These are all personal experiences before we even get on to um, professional and mm. how we can help the profession and things. What's your... Um, what are you seeing out there in your role as a counselling psychologist with generally just how people are reacting to the whole situation? Yeah, I mean, I think this is, you know, we're seeing this increasingly documented in the media as well. Mental health is really, really affected um, for, for lots of reasons by um, by the by the pandemic, by the restrictions, by um the, the changes that we faced, um, I think anxiety especially is really, really troubling people. Um, people who've, you know, always had anxiety are now often really struggling. Um, but even people who, who, you know, have always coped and always been completely, you know, consider themselves not to be anxious are finding often that they they are struggling um, at this time. So so it's, it's a challenge for all of us, certainly. Yeah, and... I suppose that's really interesting what you've just said, because those people who are usually anxious, this is going to manifest itself and amplify exactly what they would usually experience by a magnitude of 10 or 100, you know, because yeah, yeah. I guess their support mechanisms and systems and people around them aren't on top of what they usually would be. But it's interesting that you'll see more people who normally would class themselves as not anxious mm. at this time now starting to have those situations and those feelings yeah 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 you're so right I think um it's it's almost worse if you don't know anxiety to suddenly be experiencing it and to you know it's this new thing you've always you've always coped with with stress and change perhaps and then and then suddenly it comes it comes sort of out of the blue and sometimes it's really hard to relate it to a particular um stimulus and 
um, I think I think it would be really, really overwhelming for people who who haven't experienced that before. Almost more so that some than someone who might be like, oh well, this is my anxiety, and it's really, really a challenge right now. But I know this. Yeah. So is that mm-hmm. is that business of being self aware, isn't it? And I suppose if you're dealing with anxiety for the first time, then you might even, I mean, you might consider that you might worry that you're going through an even worse experience than anxiety. You know, when people have panic attacks, yeah, sometimes yeah, they yeah. confuse it with a heart attack or something, don't they? They mm-hmm. tend to catastrophize further um, about what could be going on with them. So I suppose if you are usually anxious, then at least you know the process that you go through. And hopefully, hopefully, you might have some strategies for trying to get on top of that anxiety, yeah? Mm, mm, one, one would hope, yeah. <laughs> you, you would hope. For the people who are just coming to anxiety for the first time, you know, really feeling it during the pandemic mm. and, and being exposed to those levels of feelings, what's sort of going on with the body and with the mind? Can you just tell, talk us through some telltale situation or... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, the kind of the uh, how we know it's anxiety. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, and it, it's really interesting with anxiety because it's um, almost, uh, you know, it's psychologically and physiologically responding to a stressful situation. So you've got you've got often a worry about what's happening in the body and what we're noticing in the body. So like you, you know, said the heart racing that's definitely something that people experience and that that is um all of the physiological and and bodily symptoms that someone will experience are intended to to help us survive so they're really ancient kind of evolutionary um uh reactions to stress which are actually a good thing because they help us have, have helped us in the past survive um, as as humans and make us really adaptable. The problem is that um, you know now fear is often and and what causes stress can be really abstract. So it's so hard to to know exactly what what is making us afraid and how are we reacting to that. And often those are really disproportionate. And then we feel we feel what's going on in us. We feel our heart racing. We might be sweating. We might be you know having all sorts of stomach upsets, headaches, dizziness. People get yeah, like struggle to breathe. Um, there's so, so many different kind of stress and anxiety um, symptoms. Yeah. And um, th- those can be really frightening, you know, when you can't, you can't breathe properly and suddenly it, it's more frightening and the anxiety increases. And it's this kind of vicious cycle in a way that um, we have the anxiety response to a particular external stimulus. And then we say, oh my gosh, what's happening with me? And then that makes it more scary. And then the, the, the presentation, the, I don't know, uh, heart palpitations, for example, are going to get worse, etc. So there's, there's a cycle there. And I think you, you, you know, touched on this, that if, if people are used to experiencing anxiety, they might have some coping mechanisms, yeah. but um, if, if we don't know those, those presentations and those kind of physical symptoms, it, it can just be so scary um, so that that is one of the really key key things to to kind of find out about. And I think as well, isn't it true to say that with anxiety as well, 
you know, we're talking about change often causes people <laughs> to feel anxious. Mm-hmm. You know, even minor change, we, we, we know that, don't we? You know, uh, a minor yeah, change sure. of a system at work, or it could be that people, you know, people move in house. They're normal things that create anxiety with people, starting mm-hmm. a new job, meeting new people, those sorts of things. When you factor in coronavirus, we're talking about unprecedented off the chart change aren't we to our lives Mm -hmm. can only go out once a day to exercise have to queue to go into shops have to wear masks (laughs) you think about all of those things now that that is change that is really uh, it's unparalleled to what we've experienced before and i think the what we see there is some short-term effects, like you, you're saying in the moment about mm-hmm. what you're experiencing. What would be good to explore today is how can we control some of those symptoms at, at the point? So in the moment, mm-hmm. how can you um, work with your body to reduce down that feeling mm-hmm. there and then? And then could we talk about longer term and then we'll relate that to to education and Mm -hmm. to roles in schools but in the short term my heart's beating hard I'm feeling very anxious Mm -hmm. what should I be doing to try and alleviate some of these symptoms yeah yeah so um you know use the word control and I think this is really relevant to to anxiety because um and and I guess you know change because what we feel is like we lose control yeah. and or we're losing control and that is such a scary thing uh, at the best of times but um so it's it's about helping us or hel- helping people to learn how they can gain a little bit of control again so one of the strategies for example that that um I would I would work through with clients um is to do some breathing breathing exercises okay now they they have two functions. One would be um, they're going to reduce the the stress level generally, so the nervous system is going to is going to calm down. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is that they empower the person to feel like, oh, I do actually have some control within this situation, and I can control my body. Yeah. So yes, I notice my heart's beating. And then, and then there are lots and lots of breathing exercises, and we can we can talk about those in detail if you like. But um, there are a couple that I think are really good to do with kids as well that are super simple. But you literally need maybe five to ten deep breaths in, kind of through the nose, out through the mouth, um, and th- that will really lower the kind of um, that alarm sort of sense. Of, of the nervous system and and suddenly we can we can start thinking a bit more rationally because one of the one of the big problems with anxiety and I'm sure we've we've all experienced this is that when we're anxious and afraid of something we can't think of solutions yeah. because it's working a completely different part of our brain and uh, the neuroscience behind it um is, is really fascinating and and really really quite complicated but like I was saying before anxiety is is an evolutionary trait so it's in a part of the it dominates a part of the brain that is not about it's about survival it's not about problem solving yeah yeah we're always faced with problems that make us anxious so we need to get to a calm place calm enough to think okay how do i get through this problem how can i address this okay so there are kind of a few levels there but so with the with the breathing in through the nose 
out, out through the mouth. Are we breathing into a count? Let's say, is it like a count of four or five and then out for four yeah. or five? What, anything you'd recommend there? <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, this is, uh, I was thinking about this um, before speaking with you today. And, and there are just so many different examples. Yeah. Like YouTube is full of this, like every newspaper at the moment, anything we read is, you know, full of tips. But one thing I find quite useful is, um, and and I've done this with with you know kids in in classrooms before. I used to work in an area that had a lot of um, like earthquakes, and um, it was it, you know anxiety was something that that was very very prevalent and, and understandable. So what you do is you you ask everybody to hold up their left hand, kind of palm palm facing them, okay, and you breathe you imagine with your breath that you're tracing the outside of your hand you breathe in up to your thumb out in up to your forefinger out in out tracing the outline of your left hand okay and then you you know you do that really really calmly really slowly you can do it yeah you can you can count but actually the important thing is to focus the mind and kind of distract it and take control of the breathing so that kind of hyperventilating sort of breath that becomes very short and very shallow okay. um reduces um so so that's that's a really easy easy technique to use um another one is to get um people to to put their hand on their on their stomachs and make sure that they feel with the in-breath their hand moving because that indicates that they're actually taking a deep enough breath to fill their lungs yeah when we're when we're anxious typically we only breathe very very short um breaths that that end up um reducing the oxygen in our body and making us feel more alarmed so we need to fill fill the lungs and i guess that shows the physiological sort of side of it yeah i like that Uh, i like like, (laughs) i like the hand one i can imagine that being a very practical thing for a child to do so then you know you're going through the process and you Mm. end the process when you've traced around your hands so that's really useful yeah the hand on the stomach um yeah i like that that's almost a um it's almost a calming feeling just placing your hand it's sort of grounded into the moment um just to you said about breathing in through your nose now i've listened Mm -hmm. to a lot of podcasts and um and read quite a few books and the importance of breathing in through your nose unless i'm mistaken Mm. is that it's a far more efficient method of getting oxygen into your body Mm -hmm. nasal Mm -hmm. system and i think that correct me if i'm wrong that's because when you breathe in through your nose your diaphragm um is able to be activated you'll be able to um, take in more oxygen through your nose rather than through your mouth is mm-hmm, that right mm-hmm. um to be honest i'm i'm not uh i'm definitely not an expert in the kind of anatomical oh, okay. <laughs> sort of side of things but no 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 that's completely fine but it's certainly um um a way that um you know you, you can even try it out if you it feels very different if you put your hand on your stomach if you breathe in through your nose yeah it's very different to when you Calming. breathe in through your mouth. Yeah, and um, the and it's all about that helping helping a person fill the whole of their the whole of their lungs as much as as much as possible, as opposed to the short, short kind of panting breath that yeah. you know that that we have um, when we breathe through our our mouth. Okay, so so breathing and distraction is a is a good tool if you are in that moment feeling like you're losing control and you're anxious anything else that we can do in the moment to steady ourselves Mm, yeah yeah a a myriad of things and I'm thinking you know really instantaneous uh, in in that moment so you 
Um, what can be really helpful is simply to put your put your feet on the on the ground, flat on the ground, and you can okay. you can take your shoes off if if you can be in a place to to do that. And just just really feeling the ground and feeling like um, because often people feel quite dizzy and they feel kind of like um, shaken when they when they feel okay. anxious. And having your feet on the ground will really help you in those. Well, they call them grounding techniques. Yeah. Um, to reduce to reduce the anxiety. Something else that that we ask um, clients or and and this works with kids really well as well is to to describe things that they they see that they hear and that they can smell, and okay. this is kind of focusing the mind. So if you say to someone, "Oh, think of something," I don't know, don't worry about it, or think of something else, they're not going to be able to do that. So okay, um, I can describe to you the the turquoise wall in front of me. I can see um, birds outside. I can hear um, the traffic. I can I can smell something. Suddenly, my mind is focused. So I'm not I'm not in that fear fear state. Okay. And the combination of those those sorts of um, techniques can be really helpful. Um, as, as I've said, and you'll have seen this in the the books you've read and the resources you've accessed, there is so much um, that people can try out, and it's really about having two or three things up your sleeve that you know work for you. Yeah. Um, and and that'll be for lots of different reasons. Um, but uh, yeah, and and you know, in, in that moment, to just know, okay, I've got I've got these couple of things that I can just pull out of a hat and be like, okay. I'm, I'm okay um can be really helpful well i like that because you've given us three really really um really practical simple things to do i mean mm. you know I, I always think at times of forget not not just anxiety but whenever you're at stress in in a moment of stress and you need um clear thinking simplicity rules doesn't it you know so three things feet on the ground mm. trace around your hand breathe in through your nose out through your mouth or put mm. your hand on your stomach and then describe what you're seeing, hearing, and... And, and smelling, for example. Smelling. Yeah. Yeah, so, so it's getting us into the senses. So that's great. And thank you for that, because that gives us um, that gives some tips to pass out to people if they are in that moment um, mm. feeling that way. As we move forwards, looking at, uh, <laughs> you know, dealing with this, dealing with this, long term and the mental health effects that it has on people and that ongoing anxiety personally with me um sometimes i start to catastrophize mm. so you know think of awful things that are going to happen with all of this how how long it's going to go on for mm. and um i also start to overly worry and think about things that i cannot control i have no mm. influence on and a friend of mine once described it, these thoughts as boomerang thoughts. <laughs> you throw it out there in your own head, this question or something that you can't control, you internalize it. The thought goes out, no answer comes back, but then you ask the question again, repeat mm -hmm. it. And it's like a boomerang. It keeps on coming back. You ask the same question, you get no different an outcome or no different an answer, but you continue to answer, ask the same question. And so what happens is over time, it almost becomes a, a stick to beat yourself with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I, I was wondering about long term how we how we deal with change and anxiety to make sure that we are in our best place to give the best version of ourselves mm. at a time that is going to be undoubtedly stressful because 
who likes being in a lockdown and not being able to see their family? Very few people, yeah. I would imagine. <laughs> definitely, definitely. It's such a great description, that boomerang effect. And I think the more we think something, the stronger it kind of becomes and that that not having answers becomes worse almost, doesn't it? Yeah. Um. So... Yeah, two two things come to mind. One, and I think this is so, so important to bear in mind, and I think you kind of mentioned it a little bit as well, the the fact that it is a really stressful time. This is this is such a distressing moment of context, time, place. You know, what we're living right now is it is normal to feel stressed and yeah. it is okay to be anxious. And and you know, like I said, anxiety does have this function to keep us safe. So if we don't feel anxious when we're actually threatened and, you know, the, the media and everything we hear around us, it, it, it's showing us how threatening this really is. It is a real threat. And I think um, if we were to just be, you know, completely calm and fine about it, that would be very strange and there would be something odd about that. So actually, for people to feel anxious and to feel stressed is completely normal. And I think we don't need to pathologize that, which is, is one of the risks that, that we, we can run easily. Um, can I just interject however, there a second yeah. to say, I think that yeah. would probably be really comforting to a lot of people to hear that in feeling anxious and feeling in this way, that that's normal. And one of the biggest things with that is you're not on your own in feeling that way probably a massive percentage of the population at this moment in time and do so the key thing there is you're normal and you're not on your own yeah you're normal and actually this is what what you sh your body should be doing like it is this this is a healthy response yeah now obviously lots of people um will find it completely debilitating as well it can it can lead to making life really difficult to feel yeah. so anxious and to feel scared and that's where we need to think about okay what what is it that an individual can do to help themselves in that moment. Um, I've thought about the the kind of you know context we're living in, and and the um, lack of control is kind of emphasised by these overnight restrictions that come in. You know, we think we can do something at the weekend. We're looking forward to that, and suddenly, no, we can't do it. Yeah. Um, you know, plans are changing all the time. I think it, the key thing is really to come back to um, what is it that we can control in our lives. Um, and that's really important for, for lots of reasons. But one is that if we, if we feel like we're, we have a little bit of decision making within our own little lives, you know, it's, it's, it's all pared down <laughs> at the moment. But there are things we can do and we mustn't lose sight of, of those. So... Um, I think one really key thing that can help people who are feeling very anxious and who, you know, are feeling stressed, who are feeling lots of the symptoms of anxiety and, and maybe struggling to sleep is routine. So, which normally goes out the window when we're feeling afraid and stressed, right? Because we focus yeah. on the task at hand and what we need to do. But routine is so important to show the body. And this is, you know, we know this from working with kids that actually having having a wake-up time, having meal times, having having um, time when we when we don't work, et cetera, et cetera, um, is really, really important because we know where we are and the body can kind of relax a little bit into, okay, this is my routine. This is what I'm doing. Even though the whole world is on its head, we yeah. have these, these kind of 
structures nonetheless and we are in control of that so you know what might be a suitable routine for you Steve you know might it might be very different for me etc and again it's about people finding what what works for them but ultimately deciding okay there is something I can do within within all of this um another thing is that you know we um need to remember and I, you know, I'm thinking specifically of the education profession. Yeah. Um, and and working with people, uh, we we need to remember that actually we are there for a reason. Nobody nobody works in education for for the money. Um, there's always a, a heart value reason, and I think connecting to our purpose in all of all of what we're doing, even if it's really really, maybe it feels diluted and hard to kind of capture at the moment um to to just remember why am i doing this role and why is it important and yeah you know we can have small impacts yeah because that connects us to the bigger picture and it stops us from being in this blinkered state of of fear and connecting with others i think is is so important and it's it's what we want to least do when we're feeling afraid because we just want to go and hide and and right now everybody's stressed, so we're not. Maybe we feel like we don't want to share our our fear with others, um, and especially in roles, you know, where where we have to be the ones that need to be in control and we need to be put together and everything. Yeah, it's really all the more important to speak to our friends and to say, you know, what I'm finding this so odd, and to hear, well, they are too, and just to normalize it, you yeah. know, like it's I okay. It's okay not to be okay, so, no matter so who much. you are. Yeah, 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 definitely. And I think when that's when that's modelled, um, and and again, I'm thinking about you know roles of 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 educators and and teachers. Ultimately, our our, our role there is to model behaviour and to help children through through our behaviour. And if we can be, we can show how we can. You know, yes, I'm feeling this is a scary thing for me too. But let's let's try out these techniques. Let's see how we can we can cope with that. So, I mean, that's a roundabout way. I think I'm connecting to our vision as educators. You know, what is it? What is, why are we doing these jobs? You know, um, and why does it really matter to us? And also we need to stay connected and be okay with, or, or you know, be okay with not, not being perfect and not being um, our best. Well, I think you've made some really great points there, and I'm just going to um, just address and, and recap on a few things. You know, mm-hmm. what really resonated with me, what you've just said there, is around modelling, and I think yeah. I think that the best modelling is modelling imperfection consciously, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, modelling mm-hmm. modelling flaws and modelling that mm-hmm. not not that you've got to be this this beacon and shining light that never has any cracks talking through when you've got difficulties and how you cope and how you are dealing with things is an empowering thing to do. And also that is the absolute very best of um, teaching because you, you're quite right. You said it earlier around, you know, teaching is about modeling absolutely. And that doesn't mean modeling perfection. It means modeling imperfection consciously. So I think that's um, that's a really good um, point. When you were saying about the things, thinking about, you know, what you can control, mm, mm, mm. I also, uh, you know, 
some of the things I do sometimes, and I've been fortunate enough to have had um, uh, um, career counselling. Yeah. I also, you know, I've got to be honest, I would be completely open um, to go and, and, and talking with a psychologist and things because mm-hmm. I know when my dips are, I know when my highs are. And I think that being self-aware like that is, is you know, I think it's a good thing. Yeah. The, yeah. Some of the things that I've done before is if you, <coughs> if you draw two circles, an outer circle and inner circle, and before you even get to that circle, just write down all the things that you're feeling anxious about. Mm-hmm. inner circle label it as things you can control and the outer circle things you can't control and then categorize all of those things into either can control them or can't control them mm-hmm. and then in the inner circle all the things you can control you've got some things that you can actually work on there and the things in the outer circle one you'll be conscious that you can't control them so in mm-hmm. actually writing them in the outer circle you are consciously saying to yourself I cannot control it. Therefore, let it go. And then on the internal circle, you can say, okay, I've got five or six things that I can control. Now let's Mm -hmm. make the best of controlling those things and let all of the noise and the other things outside of it, let's let it go by the wayside. And that in itself then is about, it's really clarifying in your mind. Mm. Well, this works for me. It's really about clarifying in your mind and being conscious about, worrying about all these things, but let's be really specific what is it that I can control and what mm-hmm. is it that I can't? Mm-hmm. Let's just focus mm-hmm. on what I can and ease the pressure, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think um, that's that's such a good example. And it really makes me think of, you know, all the, the mindfulness sort of trend yeah. that we're, we're seeing everywhere at the moment. And I'm sure everybody's been, you know, everybody will be aware of that. But what that's ultimately about, at least in terms of our kind of Western interpretation, is acceptance isn't it and practicing acceptance and well okay so we have to learn to accept these things that are really really tricky and it's it's it is an awful time right now and it is terrifying we can we have to learn to accept that because we can't control it and trying to you know um we'd be running into the same wall over and over again every day trying to impact that. But there are small things we can do, be it in our, in our personal lives or, or, you know, even at work. And um, that, yeah, both, both, like you say, focuses our, um, our minds on, on practical things we can do. And, and it makes us feel like we are still having an impact because there's nothing worse than feeling like you're insignificant in this huge dilemma um, so yeah, so that's a really useful, useful technique you've got there. Well, sometimes I think, you know, um, I think that feeling of insignificance, I think that's also, I think that's a context thing as well. And it depends what you've got riding on your shoulders at that moment in time. Mm-hmm. So there are sometimes people are going to be anxious and they might worry about whether they matter to the world. And that then is a, that's a terrible feeling. And, you know, making sure that they feel value is a great thing. Sometimes you, if you're in a position where you're carrying a massive amount of responsibility, uh, like running a multi-academy trust or being a head teacher or, you know, being a class teacher some, sometimes, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I find looking up to the stars and you see how many are up there, billions. Sometimes I take solace in the fact that I am insignificant because <laughs> I take solace in that because what do I matter? Who cares? Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm a small decision that I've made that day for the good or for the bad in the grand scheme of things, when there's billions of stars and we're just a speck, 
there's not too much weight on the decision that I've made. So mm. there's a, sometimes insignificance in mm, helps alleviate an issue. Sometimes it exacerbates it. I suppose mm. it's all context driven, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you're right. But it can be so helpful, can't it, to just reduce the pressure off off our decisions and to say, well, you know what, sometimes I'm really going to mess it up and that's yeah. okay. You know, at the end of the day, like normally those those sorts of mistakes or whatever are, we'll have forgotten about them after, you know, a few weeks or whatever. Can we talk a little bit about as well, In if we move now to, we've, talk, we've talk, touched a lot on um, personal side of things. I just mm-hmm. would like to just go a little bit more in, 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 into the professional element yeah. because... I think when you work in, in a job that you um, are morally driven in and that that's it almost makes up who you are as a person, doesn't it? You know, like education, yeah. you're teaching kids and what an absolutely amazing privilege. And that's there's a lot of responsibility with that. So do you, do you see any value in separating out you as the professional and you as the person because sometimes they can be so intrinsically linked that <sighs> underperformance in a professional capacity when things are very stressful can really damage people's self-esteem on a personal level because it's so heavily intertwined isn't it I think you're right I think you're right and my gut response is to to and you know I have to do this all the time as well to remember that that systems and institutions are not necessarily reflective of what made me want to be a psychologist or a teacher or whatever. So yes, there is the professional drive and yes, I'm doing this job because this is who I am and this is what I care about. And this is what makes me, you know, want to get up in the morning, even, even when I know that things are going to be really tricky, but it's still okay to say, well, I have to switch off at whatever o'clock because work is too much sometimes. Yeah. But but there's 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 the kind of practical demand that is to me is separate from the moral. Yeah. And I think that's what I was trying to get at, you know, talk, thinking about the vision, you know, what is our purpose really in this? Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make it, you know, it's still really hard to work in the NHS as a psychologist or as a as a medic or any any professional. Yeah. And yet people people do it because their their hearts in it. So there's that right. for me it's kind of a little bit separate. It, but it can also it can also mean that people do absolutely annihilate themselves, can't it? Because what you've just described there about sometimes it's not always practical, but I think in, in the NHS and in education, what will happen mm-hmm. is that people will burn themselves out sometimes because they will put the children or in the NHS, the patients ahead of themselves. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you've got to build in that, that compassion for yourself. Well, all the time you've got to build in that compassion for yourself, haven't you? Because mm-hmm. if you don't, ultimately the offer that you're providing for, for children or, or whatever your clientele base are, mm-hmm. is going to suffer over the long term, isn't it? Certainly. And, and it good to me, it comes back to the modeling thing. Um, you know, because ultimately we have to teach teach people to and, and kids especially to be able to look after themselves in this world. And yeah. you know, um so if if we don't do that, what are we what are we saying? And and actually it's also good to question some of the systems that we've, 
you know, we, we work in because they, they're not really made for well-being. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, they're 100% not, are they? I mean, we know, we both know that we work in a flawed system. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. it is a flawed system, isn't it? How we measure success in education is such a blinkered, narrow view of what makes a human. I mean, I don't know about you when you were growing up, but I know a few people who have gone to some of the best private schools in the country and they went to the best universities. They didn't actually achieve anything after that. And I know some people who didn't do so well at school, but they went on to become so successful in life. You know, Mm. ultimately, education is a a real narrow blinkered. um, The way we weigh and measure things is, is so narrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's really hard, isn't it? Because if we we're it's okay for the people who fit onto that very narrow path and yeah. for whom it's easy, but the majority of us, I don't think, do actually. And most people don't want what what society prescribes. And I guess you know, linking it back to thinking about anxiety, that's a lot of pressure often for people. And people feel like there are these expectations that they don't really they don't really want in their lives, but. <laughs> They're there. So maybe we need to start having discussions about, about what it is to be human and what it is to be fallible and and to yeah, to learn to to accept that. Um yeah, I, I, I don't know, but I think I think it's it's definitely a bigger picture, isn't it? I think it comes down to what is success. Because I've come mm-hmm. to the conclusion in the past few years, success for me is dead easy to describe. Success is happiness. That's it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. That's it. Success is happiness. <laughs> so, so what? what is happiness, though? Well, what for me or for anyone? Well, it, it's, it's personal. Exactly. It's personal, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, for me, happiness is simplicity. Okay. Happiness is to be able to go out and to go camping, mm. um, you know, with, with my family. It's walking along a beach. It's looking at a sunset. It's feeling that you'd sooner be nowhere else than that specific moment mm-hmm. in time. Mm-hmm. Anywhere in the world, you'd sooner be, you'd rather, you would rather not be anywhere else than at that moment. That is happiness and contentment. But mm-hmm. that is different to so many people, isn't it? What's, well, I'm sure it's not what your, your, your schooling taught you, is it? Like, that's no, not no, 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 <laughs> no. Success is climbing the ladder. That's, you know, some of it, but um, yeah. this, it's been, um, having this chat has been, aside from the fact that we're recording it for a podcast, I've got to say, I'm really enjoying this chat. Uh, mm. I'm mindful of time. And so I'm mm. going to ask you two things. Firstly, do you think we could do a follow-up podcast to this where we take people's feedbacks, feedback and um, answer their questions more? Yeah, for sure. That'd be a pleasure. Yeah, for sure. I think what you've said today is going to resonate. Um, can we just ask you, can we get to know a little bit more about you um, as a person? So in this podcast, we always ask a couple of questions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The first one is, who's had the biggest influence on you, um, getting you to where you are today? Now, I only want you to pick one, which means that I'm sure you've had loads of people who've influenced you and um, it's a hard thing. But can you pick one person and, and provide a bit of context with it? Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, yeah, there have been lots and lots of people who've supported me and have inspired me. But I think the one that's kind of quite, uh, yeah, sort of a spark moment was um, 
one of my students uh, many, many years ago who um, I was developing an interest in kind of mental health and education and, and starting some work in that uh, alongside teaching. And um, he, yeah, asked, asked the question, kind of seeing my interest, he said, you know, if you, if you can do this, why don't you? sort of encouraging me to question, you know, I've got these opportunities, I've got these chances, you know, which which we do in the UK. Um, and, and at the time I was working in, in a country where those those resources weren't at all available and people were having having a really hard time materially. So it was a very powerful moment because it was both him seeing my interest and passion for the field and um, noticing, you know, you, you can do this, you should. And that was, it was very, very moving. And since then there have been, yeah, lots of occasions where I've, I've had really, yeah, met some really amazing, amazing people, both in, in teaching and practice, uh, clinical practice, who've really taught me the value of those, those small moments of connection and those small moments of change. And, and I think those are what reminds me ultimately of of that conversation with that student back then and and why I'm doing this at all. Yeah, did you stay in touch with him? No, no, sadly I didn't. No. Such um life's funny, isn't it? That's uh, it's funny when you get defining moments. I mean, who would have thought that a student that you were teaching was gonna create a spark moment that then propels you to take a a pathway in your career? I mean that strikes me as being one really insightful from him and two you must have had a really good relationship because that he also said that because he obviously cared about you making a change in the world yeah I I mean it was it was a yeah it was just this unique unique moment you know when I think back of it back to it I, I can't quite believe that that it was that that sort of sparked everything for me but yeah. and in the moment I didn't realize that that would change everything but it's just stayed with me so much and wow. and there is this sense of you know remembering yeah I guess my my vision and and seeing knowing that someone else saw that too that's a beautiful you know, thing I love that story that's really, <laughs> it's heartwarming isn't it it's a heartwarming story. <laughs> oh so, we all need those once in a while oh we absolutely do <laughs> the, the other thing is um is around a back to the wall moment because you know we've talked a lot about anxiety and change and what I'm always interested in trying to understand from people we interview on this podcast is how do they respond or have they responded when they have had their back to the wall because um, that's just interesting because life doesn't go smoothly does it and careers don't go smoothly so could you share with us an example where you've really questioned something or you've had a back to the wall moment Oh gosh, yeah, there, there have been so so many moments of these, and spend my life questioning things, definitely. Um, and oh, I, I guess um, one of the most recent ones um, I, I can remember, and that I'm sure lots will lots of people will uh, be able to relate to, is um, being in a lecture theatre and. Um, at the start of the first pandemic, the first lockdown, sorry, and not knowing how to use the technology, thinking that I understood how to use it. There were lots of students who traveled very far to be in the lecture. 
Um, there were students at home who were self-isolating. I just couldn't get the thing to work. I couldn't get it, couldn't get the slides up. And it was, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a new, it wasn't anything new, but that situation was just so um, it was such a challenge and I was felt like I was really letting people down, uh, you know, who'd, who'd come. And um, I think it feels, it might, you know, it seems insignificant maybe in the scheme of things, but in terms of your career, you do think, oh my gosh, am I cut out for this? I can't even get the stupid slides to work and the recording and everything. And it was a really, really big moment for me because I I just started having conversations with the students and explaining to them what was going on and that it was I was being I was feeling very stressed and I'm not able to think and really it was a moment where I realised the power of that modelling you know to to a group of postgrad students who, who who totally understood and they were so so helpful and so understanding. We ended up having this great discussion about the use of technology in classrooms and how we were going to work through the through the lockdown. And it was a really kind of, it ended up being a really useful session. Um, but it started with one of those moments where you think, am I, am I able to do this even? And, even, and why, why, do, why did I get up today? Um, but it works yeah. because you showed vulnerability to the students, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And I, th- I think there's something about, you know, um, uh, lecturers maybe differently to when I was a teacher as, as a lecturer, there's there's not often that much interaction and you don't get to, you don't get to know students that well. So there's, it, you know, you have to, you have a different professional sort of stance and um, it was really nice to kind of break that down and, and just, just be human. Um, and I think the students really appreciated that too, because um, knowing that, that, you know, for them, it's also all new and it kind of was was quite a helpful experience for all of us in the end, I think. Well, I think that's a great story as well. Can I say thank you so much for your for your time today, for your insight? And I think that a lot of the things you've said are going to help a lot of people, but also resonate with them. So um, I know you've got a really busy schedule of online teaching and, and things with the university. Just want to say thank you so much for your time. Yeah, it's a pleasure, Steve. Thanks for having me on the podcast. We really hope that today's podcast has been useful and that the content discussed between me and Charlotte is going to help you move forwards over the next few weeks and months. Just remember, with coronavirus, it's okay not to be okay because we all struggle at different times and points. If you have any feedback on this podcast and some of the content, please do get in touch with us via at Robinhood Trust on Twitter. As always, this is a Robin Hood Multi-Academy Trust production. Until next time, catch you later.